Hello, you are listening to Gary Gatehouse Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show, like uh, Mr. Obama, sir. I have a, just a quick question, if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know, just uh, where uh, where the hell is your birth certificate? There's only one Communist Party. The Communist Party that puts out this pamphlet setting the line for the Communists in the United States is the same Communist Party as the one that tells Fifth Amendment Communists how they should testify. It's the same Communist Party, if you please, that ordered American boys have their hands wired behind their backs and their brains blown out with Communist machine guns. It's one and the same party, my good friend. Now, there are those that say, well, it's all right to dig them out. But, oh, we don't like your men. You know, it's so easy to make those general statements. And when they say you don't treat them like gentlemen, while we do, I might say that if we, if we did not, I would not cry for them. Treasurers are not gentlemen, my good friends. They don't understand being treated like gentlemen. May I say to you, my good friends tonight, to the American people, that I don't care. I don't give a tinker's day. How high or how low, how high or how low, people in either the Republican or Democrat party, either party, are unhappy about our methods. This fight is going to go on as long as I am in the United States, sir. That was Senator Joseph McCarthy, the last known Republican that stood up against the communist Democrat left, the last known Republican to speak the truth to the people of the United States. And what did Joseph McCarthy get for speaking the truth, for singling out all those communists that permeated the very soul of the Democrat Party? that ran around the halls of Congress, produced movies ran by communists in Hollywood. What did Joseph McCarthy get for raising the red flag, if you will, to warn the American people of communism and its ugly head and its ideology was being raised in our Congress, in our government? In that brief statement he made, he shone the light of truth on what communism was up to back in the 50s. A lot of you Americans don't remember the Korean War. A lot of you Americans probably could care less about what transpired in the Korean War. When the freedom and the Constitution and our way of life met headlong with communism on the battlefields of North and South Korea. When we, along with others, were fighting communism 
fighting Russia, USSR, and China by proxy. We were not only fighting North Koreans, we were fighting the Chinese government and its military machine. A lot of its supplies received from the USSR, the communist regime in Russia. A lot of young American men died, not only by bullets or by bayonet or by cannon fire or machine gun fire. They froze to death in place in their foxholes. They were captured and tortured by the North Vietnamese slash Chinese army. They were brainwashed. They were constantly bombarded by lies and hate. Constantly, 24-7, tortured, mentally and physically. But a lot of you folks out there that were around during those times or studied about them, the Korean War in high school and college, were bombarded by your communist teachers and professors that use the word McCarthyism to sway your ideas on what America should be. And for those conservatives that were going to college at the time, and still those conservatives today going to college, when they speak out, when they speak out against communism, when they speak out against the Communist Democrat Party here in the United States, when they speak out against Obama, Hillary Clinton, and the likes, they are accused of being McCarthyites. Their communist professors shout down to them, at them, McCarthyism, to try and shut them up. And now that word McCarthyism has been replaced and it's more of a acceptable term these days by the left and many on the right. Political correctness. McCarthyism has been incorporated into political correctness. When any speaks the truth about Hillary Clinton, about Barack Hussein Obama Jr. and his minions, about the Democrat Party or the Republican leadership, the progressive leadership of of the RNC, they're shouted down. They're told to shut up. They're told that you have no dog in this fight. We are in control. You have no say. The First Amendment doesn't count with you people on on the right who claim to be conservatives and stand for conservative causes such as your religion, Christianity. You cling to your guns and Bible. You're nothing but a bunch of hypocrite, lying, hillbilly people. We people on the left, we people in the RNC, we control the world, we control the government. You folks that speak the truth are a bunch of wacko birds. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, patriots, 
When I speak of Joseph McCarthy, and I speak of him very much in my shows and I on uh, social media, etc., he is the last communist hunter, if you will, in America, who almost single-handedly took on the Communist Party in America back in the 50s, who took on the mainstream media, which was the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, and still is today. The mainstream media are all examples of individuals that graduated from college, journalist school, whatever, and marched to the tune of their communist professors. Brainwashed, if you will, just like those prisoners back in the Korean War. Brainwashed and told that progressivism, socialism, communism is the way to go. It's the way to be. Big government should be in charge of your life from cradle to grave. They know best for you. They know how to run the show. You are just observers and sometimes participants, such as journalists. You are a very big part in the very big cog in the Communist Democrat Party's propaganda machine. You journalists are the ones that are going to get the word out because you are the ones that will control the media. You will control the news. You will control how it's reported. And you will be amongst the elitist. You look at the journalists today. On any news outlet, whether it be Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, they're all socialists. They're all progressives. And by the way, progressives is just another word for communist. They run the show from A to Z when it comes to media. They are the ones that report the so-called news after they take the news as it was and spin it and massage it to it is melted down and condensed into what they see that news should really say. If it's something good about socialists and communists and progressives, then they report it in a positive manner. If it's something that is going against their grain, their ideology, they massage it and polish it and spin it to put it in a negative manner to influence and impact on the very lives of fellow Americans. Something that you should stay away from or not believe. When in actual fact it was at one time that say particular news story was at one time the truth. You see, ladies and gentlemen, communism and all its partners, all its participants, all those people that belong to that ideology and sign on to it. And I don't give a tinker's damn, as McCarthy said, what they call themselves. 
what brand they go by, whether it be liberals, socialists, Marxists, progressives, communists, or just the left. They are all communist. They all think as one. They are all from the same cut of cloth. Now, when you talk about progressivism and you look at the Republican Party, you have to go no further than what is transpiring right in front of our face with a person called Paul Ryan and his push, as they would like you to believe, comes from the good old boys in the Republican Party and the Republican Party as a whole. We want Paul Ryan. He will save the Republican Party. He will save America. He will be a champion for the conservative cause. But if you go look at Paul Ryan's past, look who he has affiliated himself with in the past, what issues he voted for and voted against for, what he stood for and did not stand for. He is a good old boy in the GOP. He is a member of the status quo. He's not a conservative. Oh yeah, he might be presented as a conservative, family man and all of that. He's a progressive. He's a progressive. And he backs the status quo in the Republican Party. And all those individuals that said that they were conservative and said that they were standing tall were the conservatives in the Republican Party, all those people that said that they were a member of the, uh, I don't know, pro-life movement, members of those people in the Republican Party against amnesty, they all lied to you. They all spun it and lied to you. Go back and look at their voting records. Go back and look at them. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, we have been hoodwinked once again. We have been told lies once again. The Freedom Caucus that once said that they were standing tall for conservatives, they never were. They never were. There are a bunch of liars in the Freedom Caucus. A bunch of liars that really, behind closed doors, are standing arm in arm with the status quo in the Republican Party. It's the same scenario that's been played out time after time down through the political ages here in the United States, modern day, of course. And then we hearken back to what Joseph McCarthy warned us about way back in the early 50s about communists in our government and what their whole ideology was when it comes to running the government. Cradle to grave, they want to control us. They will say anything, do anything. They have a huge playbook where they can draw upon 
to hoodwink the American people. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, the latest being this so-called Paul Ryan as Speaker of the House. You know, 95%, I would say, of the House Republicans either fake or repudiate conservatism. That boils down to something like out of the 247 GOP House members, only around 12 or 13 percent or 5 uh, or 5 percent really mean it when it comes to conservatism. And if you boil it down even farther, it kind of looks like that is the exact number of real conservatives that are opposing Paul Ryan's march to the top to the Speaker of the House. And that's not enough to stop him. Not enough. Paul Ryan, bottom line, is a rhino. He's a Republican in name only. He's a progressive. And he stands with the status quo. Senator Joseph McCarthy couldn't have been more right when he was trying to warn those us people in America back then in the 50s. His words ring true today. His words ring true today. This is Gary Gatehouse with the Monday edition of the Gary Gatehouse radio show and we'll be back after a Phyllis Shafley report. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamerica.us radio. We'll be right back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. Stay tuned. This is the Phyllis Shafley Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, popular speaker, and author of 25 books, including A Choice, Not an Echo, Who Killed the American Family, The Flip Side of Feminism, Turbo Reader, and How We Made the Republican Party Pro-Life. Now, here's the founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. For many years, Eagle Forum has sent an observer to the annual convention of the National Education Association, the NEA, which is held usually over the 4th of July weekend. This is one way we can keep EcoForum members informed about what is going on in public schools. At the annual NEA convention last July, a new business item proposed calling the organization a union. New business item number 46 sought to add the word union when referring to the NEA. The new wording would have been NEA the nation's largest professional employee association and union. After discussion, a vote was taken by the NEA membership, and this item was defeated. A delegate from rural Missouri stated that the NEA affiliate in their area already has enough trouble getting teachers to join, and if they incorporate the word union, even fewer teachers would become NEA members. He said, if we say union, we will lose people. The NEA is clearly and absolutely a union. 
In fact, it is the largest union in the nation. It is shrinking, but the power it wields should not be discounted. Just look at the state of public schools for proof of what the union has managed to achieve. Another new business resolution that was defeated by the membership suggested that the NEA convention be broadcast online so members could watch it from their homes using a password-protected site. One delegate in opposition to the item said, We want to control the flow of information. She said that some of what goes on gets ugly and could be misunderstood by parents who watch. But letting teachers see their union in action is a great idea. Maybe if more teachers understood how radical their union is, they would drop their membership, at least in states where they are legally allowed to do so. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. The National Education Association is the largest labor union in the country. So how are they using that power? Regretfully, their goals have little to do with better educating our children. Do you have an opinion on the NEA? Read, follow, and add to the blog at eagleforum.org. That's eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Take an ordinary putty knife and scrape off the old wax ring. Place the new wax ring over the flange, then line up the bolts with the bowl and gently set in place, making sure a proper seal is created with the flange and drain. Next. Um, Dad? Uh, yeah, sweetie. Is that an old plumbing manual? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, honey. We really need to get some new books. Right, um, do, do you want me to stop? Nah, I kind of want to know how it ends. Okay, tighten the bolts, line up the flushing valve to the opening in the top of the bowl, and secure the tank with a screwdriver and crescent wrench. <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Coming up, a Gary Gatehouse rant, a blast from the past. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. We have people from third world countries coming across our border illegally. Our government giving them everything they need, all the transitional tools that they need, money, housing, free education, free health care, you name it, just like they do in, in Europe. And these third world countries, they're just going to overrun us. And the population of America, which is predominantly white today, is going to go away. And I have to ask a question. Where are white people going to end up at? In Europe and in America. Servitude? Under the boot? Payback? Whatever. Is that where we're going to end up at? I think so. I think so. And the thing that really scares me, I'll be long gone. But my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they're going to have to live under that. To see just how Europe's going to be, and just how America's going to be. And I said it the other day on my show. Go look at South Africa. Look at what white people are experiencing in South Africa. The Afrikaners. 
Go look at their life. Go look at how they live. Look at how they are oppressed. Look how they are beaten, raped, treated like dogs. Yet the white folks of Europe and the white folks of America, the news media, the journalists, they don't say a damn thing about it. But someday there's going to be a rude awakening for all of us, as they call us here in America, crackers or honkies, as pale-faced, pale-skinned individuals. There's going to be a rude awakening, and it's coming. Us folks in our 50s, 60s, and 70s won't see it probably. But your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will. They'll either have to assimilate and become something they're not, Oh, I don't know. Maybe their head will end up on a fence post. Maybe they'll be thrown in some uh, Muslim prison to rot away the rest of their life. Because we know how Muslims look at all people who are infidels. We know how they look at us. We know the word caliphate. We know what it means. And we know that their religion, as they call it, their political party or movement, disguised as a religion, as we know it, we who pay attention, we know what their bottom line is, is control of the world. And to bring everybody under the umbrella of Islam, under Sharia law, that is their bottom line. There is no gray areas. I don't care what politician tells you different. There is no gray areas. You got it? Either you're a Muslim or you're an infidel, period. And if you're an infidel, well, we've talked about it many times. What your plight will be in a Muslim-controlled city, state, country, world. Now, ladies and gentlemen of America, this has been a, uh, oh, I don't know, a show that has bounced around, and I've talked about many things today. And I've tried to direct my attention to both Europe and America. Because, believe me, we're all in the same boat. And you know that boat is floating in a very hostile sea. That boat that we're all in, whether we want to admit it or not, is a lifeboat. It's a lifeboat, not just for us, but for future generations of Europeans and Americans. And we as individuals, like I said, Last week, we individuals, as adults, in Europe and America, are caretakers of our countries, are caretakers of future generations that we will never see, never shake hands with, never hug, never kiss, never say hello to. Folks that have not been born yet in your country and mine. But we are responsible for the world that they will be born in. Will it be a world ran by Muslims? will be a world ran by Europeans and Americans. That, it, that remains to be seen. We won't see it. We'll only know when our 
time comes to take our last breath and close our eyes, we'll only know within our own minds if we have left things on the table the way they should be for future generations or we have turned our back on them and sold them out. Our politicians are already doing it. They're selling us out. They're selling our children out, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and future generations. They've already sold them out. They've already wiped the slate clean. And they've already let it be known to we people that are living today, us folks that want a good place for our children and future generations to be raised in and grow up in. They've already let it be known to us that we don't count. We don't count. It's the Muslims that count. It's the third world countries invading my country that counts. We folks that try to make a living bust our ass every day, working our ass off to pay our taxes and and abide by the laws, we don't count. We have no voice. In Congress, in Parliament, wherever. We're just hunks of flesh. That the politicians look at us as somebody that they jostle around, promise this, promise that, to just get the vote, to keep their ass in power, and increase that power. Because they got better things to do. They've got to They've got to make damn sure that the Muslims and these third woke people that are coming into my country, your country, they've got to take care of them because they are the future voters that will keep their ass in power. And every once in a while, the politicians look over their shoulder to see if we, the people of Europe and America, have had enough. Every, every just, just every once in a while, they'll look over their shoulder and, and see what the uh, playing field looks like. Are there some agitators down there? Are there some people down there that are finally speaking out? Then they look back and they sit down in their chair and they light up a big old cigar or whatever and a big old drink and they say to themselves, Nah, I don't have to be worried. Those stupid bastards are still sitting down there swimming around in the swill not knowing what's really going on. We've got them by the short and curlies. Crazy, baby. Hey, you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Secret Agent Man. I want all you dudes and dudettes to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Crazy, man. You want the truth? Nothing but the truth? Listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on freedominamericaradio.com. You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got If you're way up in Lumbuck or down in Lucumbach You gotta conserve water, keep the air clean Take care of Texas, don't you know what I mean, y'all? Kevin Fowler here, Texans take great pride in keeping our air clean Visit TakeCareOfTexas.org and take the pledge to help keep it that way We'll send you a free Texas State Park Guide You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got Sponsored by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality Well, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Monday edition. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we people, we just common everyday people, 
people who go to work every day, people who live our lives out without anybody, hell, 50 miles away knowing who we are, probably. We have our little inner circle of family and friends. And we go about our daily business of making life as pleasurable as possible for ourselves and our families. And most of the time, it's the husband and wife that are both working. And most of the time, they're working just to make ends meet. Most of the time, their main objective in life is to provide for themselves, or if they have children, for themselves and their, and their children. They don't have the luxury, as some people, as some people in America do, to take notice of what's going on around them outside of their little inner circle. They rely on the mainstream media. They rely on the honesty that they think is prevalent in all of our leadership in Washington, D.C., in the states, in the counties. Those people that make laws, make legislation, decide how we, the people, are going to live our lives out here in America. And the average Joe Schmo, the average Mr. and Mrs. Sixpack, as honest as they are to themselves and their families, I really don't think they're being honest to themselves or their families when it comes to how they look at America today. How they think or how they perceive or how they want America to be. They put it all together in their minds, and they come out with the idea that America's, it's okay, it's going, it's okay. It's going down the right path. Little do they know that all that they use from the public arena to make those decisions on America's moving on down the road, and it's really doing the right thing. Little do they know that all of the ideas that they get from the media, all the news that they get from the media, all of the videos, all of the spoken word, most of it's not true. Most of it is not true. But the average American, whether it be male or female, they believe, they believe in their leadership up in Washington, D.C., the District of Corruption. I would surmise that if you presented to the average American mom and dad that Obama, Barack Hussein Obama Jr., has pulled the rug out from underneath our military, the security of the United States, and is leading our military and our military men and women in uniform down a different path than our military has ever been before. Now the headline reads, Obama vetoes defense authorization bill. President Barack Hussein Obama Jr. vetoed a sweeping $612 billion defense policy bill this last Thursday in a rebuke to congressional Republicans and insisted they send him a better version 
that doesn't tie his hands on some of his top priorities. Obama came out and said, this bill falls woefully short. And I'm going to be sending it back to Congress and my message to them is very simple. Let's do it right. Now this is in the eyes and comes from the mind, that statement, I'm sending this bill back, this military bill, funding bill back to Congress. And my message, just as Obama is speaking now, my message to you, Congress, is very simple. Do it right. Do it right. Just how does Obama look at the military? And what does he mean by, let's do it right? Let's do it right. Let's get it straight. In the eyes of Obama, and in the mind of Obama, let's do it right. But you know, Obama has insisted that spending on domestic programs be raised at the same time when he talks about budgets as the military budget. And he wants Republicans to bow down to that. And he wants to put caps on defense spending. The American people, for the most part, 99% of the American people, when you talk about the military point blank to them, most of their eyes just glaze over. Because you see, most Americans, most American families, don't have a dog in the fight when you talk about military. They don't have a son or a daughter or aunt, uncle, whatever, because 99%, over 99% of Americans don't serve in the military. And I venture to say probably half of those Americans who have family that probably have never served in the military either. So when Obama talks about cutting the military and the military budget, it means really nothing. It doesn't resonate with most Americans. They consider the military something that is way out there. It doesn't really impact on their daily lives or their family or their children's daily lives because they don't have, like I said, a dog in the fight. Obama knows this. He knows this. He knows he can say whatever he wants to say or do to the military and it really won't resonate to the majority of the American people. Oh, it will too. Us folks that have served, our families who have family members that have served, maybe way in the distant past. It'll resonate with us, what he says or does to the military. But for the most part, most Americans doesn't do it. Now Obama rejects this military budget because The provisions in it make it harder for him to transfer suspected terror detainees out of the military prisons in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And that was a key campaign promise of Obama that he has been hard-pressed to fulfill by his leftists, the people who follow him and support him and and follow on their swords for him. 
he is hard-pressed to fulfill that, that promise to them before his term ends. And the White House also has expressed concerns over provisions in that budget bill preventing military-based closures and funding equipment beyond what the military, as Obama says, what the military says it needs. But you know how he looks at the military and how the left looks at the military. They would rather it be meals on wheels. But we who have been in the military, we have, we who have been a part of the military, our, our families in the past, our, our, our current part of the military, know that the military is there for one reason, to protect the security of the United States of America. And the military is designed, and I'm going to just put it bluntly, when they go to war, to break things, destroy things, kill enemies, and protect the security of the United States by doing so. They're not there to hand out blankets. They're not there to hand out military food, MREs. They're not there to help people along and design and bring along a new type of government or whatever. They're there for one reason. And when I say there, I'm talking about anywhere in the world. The military has to go to protect us. When there are people in that part of the world, whatever, wherever it may be, that are hell-bent on destroying America and taking it over, it has always been the policy of a, the United States military not to wait for those folks to come to our soil but to go to their homes, their soil, and take them out before they get here. Now, you Americans out there, that 99.3% or 4% that don't have a dog in the fight, I'm sure you don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm sure that when it comes to the military, you have no clue on what the folks in the military sacrifice, what they do for our country, the dirty damn places they are sent, the poor living conditions that they have to live under while they're out deployed, you have no clue of the 125, 130 degree temperatures that our military have been subjected to in Iraq and Afghanistan, Middle East, the cold places they have to go through are two to protect the United States military and the government and we the people. You have no clue. You just don't. Let's face it. You don't. You've never been there. You've never been in their boots. Your children have never been in their boots for the most part. So you just do not know how to relate. So when Obama says uh, to Congress, I'm not saying signing this military budget. You're not looking at the military the way we on the left look at it. We want it to be more meals and wheels. We want to have more control over it. We've already achieved putting transgendered and homosexuals and women in combat roles and all of that garbage 
all of those social experiments that we have been hell-bent on instituting into the military for years, we finally succeeded in doing that. Now we're moving on a little bit further. We don't want the military to be able to do what they're designed to do. We want the military to be designed in the light and the way we look at them. Meals on wheels. Before we go to break, I'll leave you with this, Mr. and Mrs. America. If we remove the military, and we remove the military policy for what it's designed to do, and like I said, when it's deployed to take the battle to enemies on their soil, not ours, we send young men and women out there to do that, to protect us, to protect your children, your treasure, to protect your businesses, your homes, your counties, your cities, your states, the very country you live in. If we remove the policy to do that, to go to those countries that want to kill us and kill them first before they get here, to break up their homes, to destroy the very places they live and conduct their evil deeds. If we remove all of that and design the military in the way that the left wants it to be, meals on wheels, homosexual, transgender, perversion, who are you, America, going to call on when some country from the Middle East or some country, say China or Russia, is knocking at the door of our borders? And you're screaming, where's the military? And they're over in who knows where, Peru or somewhere, handing out blankets, putting up tents, handing out meals on wheels. And you look at your children. And you look at your wife and your brothers and sisters and mother and father. And you look at them and you say, what are we going to do? Our military doesn't know how to be the military anymore. What are we going to do? And oh, by the way, before I go, when we get to that point, if you reach for your gun and it's not there, it's because you and the left and Barack Hussein Obama Jr. took that gun away from you. You no longer have any way to protect yourself or your family. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on Restoration Radio United Kingdom International. States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Enjoy your freedom. 
Support Combat Wounded Veterans. Presented by the Military Order of the Purple Heart. For more information, visit www.purpleheart.org. I'm Marie Osmond. Choices. Some are minor, others life-changing. But what if your small choices matter the most, like the stairs or the elevator, baked or fried? What if these small choices determine if you'll be the one out of every three women who die of heart disease this year? These choices might not seem life-changing today, but women are dying of heart disease at the rate of almost one per minute. Luckily, it's mostly preventable. Choose to act. Our hearts, our choice. Make your choice at GoRedForWomen.org. And this song's for all you folks in Texas that are, I guess, trying to get yourself dry from the weekend. right here with my redneck white socks and blue ribbon And I imagine a lot of blue ribbon beer and Lone Star beer was consumed. Something down here in South Texas we don't see much of, and that's raining. We got our fill of it this weekend. It dumped a lot of rain on us. Everything looks as green as it can be. At least my darn grass doesn't sound like popcorn anymore when I walk on it. You know, crunch. But you know, folks, rain, hurricanes, tornadoes, all kinds of natural natural catastrophes, they don't stop us Texans from visiting our local watering hole. Ain't no way, Jose. Well, I hope you folks over there in Nacogdoches are having a good time Back at work, my God. And I have to give that a big yee-haw. You know, folks, I get a lot of emails that say, Mr. Gatehouse, I listen to your show, but you sure don't sound like a South Texan. And I email them back and I say, well, you know, when you get on the radio, you got to talk to all kinds of people out there. So when you're talking Texan, sometimes people from, say, the East Coast or out there in La La Land in California, they have to go hire them an interpreter to understand what you're talking about. 
Now, I can get down and I can talk the way we normally do down here. Because, you know, that is where us folks, when we congregate, we don't talk like no radio host. We talk like South Texans. But you know when I'm talking on the radio itself, and I want to present myself as just a, oh, I don't know, middle-of-the-road person who can speak all the different dialects of the United States, I talk in a kind of, oh, I don't know, monotone, if you will. But when I'm talking to my fellow Texans, I talk in their language and their dialect, don't you know? So I guess you folks that send me the emails that say, why don't you talk more like a Texan? Maybe I'll just do a whole dang show talking in my South Texan dialect. And all you folks up there, I know sooner or later I'll be getting emails from y'all saying, Mr. Gatehouse, we can't understand the dang thing you're talking about and some of the terms that you use. Well, they just don't, they don't resonate here. We don't know what you mean by them. And then the next thing you'll probably want is some kind of a Bible of words that comes from us South Texans all condensed into five or fifteen volumes that you can refer to when Gary Gatehouse talks about people down here in South Texas Oh, you all up there on the East Coast or you folks out there on the la-la land West Coast. I don't know which way I ought to go on that. Uh, I don't know, make you all feel happy and all kind of warm and fuzzy inside. Should I talk like a South Texan? Or should I talk about Gary uh, like Gary Gatehouse? Where all can understand, I think I'll stick with the Gary Gatehouse dialect. If y'all don't mind, don't you see? Now we're coming up on coming up on the hour. The clock here in my studio says, "Gary, you got about about seven minutes left, about six minutes left before you got a break for the news." And I'm kind of cut short here because I don't have anything up here on the screen that I sometimes use to kind of jog my memory on what we should address or talk about issues, etc. That would make you all feel, oh, I don't know, informed or happy or whatever the case may be. But I was looking through here and I found this article that says, Flamina Rotundo. Flamina, if I pronounce your last name wrong, I apologize. It's spelled R-O-T-U-N-D-O, Rotundo. And this comes out of Buffalo, New York, and is reported by uh, AP. And it's about a lady who works 11 hours a day, six days a week, at a Buffalo laundromat. Now, that's that right there doesn't say much to me, but if you go on into the story, you'll find that she works at a Buffalo laundromat 11 hours a day, 6 days a week, and she says she has no plans of quitting work, even though she just turned 100 years old 2 months ago. 
She got her first job at the age of 15 during the Great Depression back in the 1920s and has been working every since. Now, Philema works from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. washing clothes and handling dry cleaning at the College Laundry Chape. She says she hasn't considered retirement and will continue working as long as her health is good. She hit the century mark in August. And she says she likes to work. She likes being out and working because it gives her something to do. She says too many people today retire too soon. Her advice to her peers, get out and do some work. Get out and do some work. Get out and do some work. Here in America today, there are too many folks who sit on their backsides and work hard all day trying to come up with new ideas on how to get out of work. How to get the government to pay for their laziness. Be a handouts, so-called benefits. But here we have a hundred-year-old woman still working six days a week. And as she says, does not plan on retiring anytime soon. And if you look at it, America, America has a wealth of advice, a wealth of example, of hard work, and knowledge stored in the minds of our older generations that still believe in the old school way. Hard work gets you a long way in life. My grandpa used to tell me that all the time. Uh, Hard work, Gary, gets you a long way in life. America today still has its hardworking people. I will not deny that. America today still has hardworking people. They go to work every day and work until the job is done. One thing I figured out a long time ago, hard work is rewarding when you can work until the job is finished. Then step back. Take the time to step back and see the results of your labor, whether it be mental or physical labor or work. Now, it seems many Americans were never raised in an environment where they were required to pull their own weight to contribute to the family by working or daily chores like I did and millions and millions of others like me. It's sad but true, most Americans, but not all. Most Americans today, but not all, are lazy to the point of I really don't give a damn how the job looks or the results of the job I just did as long as I can get out of that damn job as fast as I can and go have some fun. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after the five-minute news. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show. Gary will be back after the clock's five-minute news break. Ready to go. I'm Pam Puso. Since going through Congress hasn't worked, President Obama could act unilaterally on gun control this week, something the Republicans running for president are dead set against. They're promising to undo whatever the president does. Here's New Jersey Governor Chris Christie from Fox News Sunday and then Donald Trump from Fox and Friends. Now this president wants to act as if he's a king, as if he's a dictator. We're going to protect the Second Amendment, and if he signs something, 
we are going to terminate it as a very early step when I get to office. But Democratic Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders supports the president's approach to go around Congress. He says there is, quote, wide consensus on the matter. Fox's Molly Henneberg on Monday, the president meets with Attorney General Loretta Lynch to talk about steps he can take on his own. The woman tasked with reforming Chicago's police department will outline her vision on Monday. Relations between police and the community have soured since the 2014 shooting of a black teenager by a white police officer. The State Department is weighing in on the political rift between Saudi Arabia and Iran, saying that diplomatic engagement remains essential. On Sunday, Saudi Arabia severed diplomatic ties with Iran. This follows protests at the Saudi embassy stemming from mass executions by the Saudi government. The worsening diplomatic crisis between the regional Sunni-Shiite rivals coming after 47 people were executed by Saudi Arabia on Saturday. Among them, prominent Shiite clerk Nimr al-Nimr, the Saudi government executed al-Nimr for speaking out against the royal family. In response, Iran's deputy foreign minister saying cutting ties does not cover up the mistake of executing a religious figure. Fox's Paul Stevens. It's still not over. The siege at an Air Force base in India going on for more than two days now. At least seven Indian troops and four gunmen have been killed. Two other attackers remain. Fox News Radio. Fair and balanced. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. When I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 68 children is diagnosed with autism. That's about a 30% increase in two years. Learn more at autismspeaks.org signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. When Congress gets back to work this week, some members will try again to dismantle the president's health care plan. Starting this week, we'll start to see some of the bold agenda new House Speaker Paul Ryan promised when he took over. Right out of the gate, congressional Republicans will be sending a bill to President Obama that repeals major parts of the Affordable Care Act and defunds Planned Parenthood. The president has said he'll veto that bill, so Republicans have already scheduled a veto override vote for January 22nd. In Washington, I'm Garrett Tenney, Fox News. Many people in the Midwest have their work cut out for them. They're cleaning up from massive flooding. Southern Illinois and Missouri are still threatened by rising water. The state of Missouri declared a federal disaster, giving the state access to more resources and funds in their recovery efforts. Fox's Matt Finn, at least two dozen people have died in the flooding. Two bodies have been pulled from a Wisconsin lake, and the search for two more people will resume in the morning. Authorities believe the men took a canoe out early Sunday morning but never returned. The lake is located about 35 miles southeast of Milwaukee. The Pittsburgh Steelers are playoff bound thanks to a 28-12 victory over the Cleveland Browns. Browns quarterback Austin Davis was picked off in the game's final minutes. Davis going to throw it this side of the field, intercepted, picked off by William Gay. Gay, out of bounds. And that will just about clinch things for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
the game broadcast on CBS. Not long after the loss, Browns head coach Mike Pettin was fired. So was the team's general manager, also out of a job, San Francisco 49ers head coach Jim Tom Sula. Today is all about those players, okay? My job status and anything going forward there can be handled throughout the rest of the week. It was Tom Sula's first year on the job. The Niners went 5-11 and 11 this season. Pam Pusell, Fox News, ready to go. Yeah, welcome back to the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Monday edition. Blue Monday for some of you folks out there. have a lot to talk about this second hour. We got a featured edition of uh, Ms. Ricky Rasmussen uh, reporting uh, all the way from South Africa. Exclusively on the Gary Gatehouse radio show, by the way. Our voice from South Africa. That'll be coming up just a little bit later, so stay tuned. Well, I hope you folks had fun over the weekend. You know, down here, like I said in the first hour, it was raining cats and dogs. The whole weekend. I mean, we're getting remnants of, I don't know, two or three different storms coming up out of Mexico, coming up out of uh, South Mexico, the hurricane. But we welcome the rain. It's much needed down here in South Texas. Like I said, the first hour, you know, uh, at least I can walk on my property now. And uh, the grass doesn't sound like I'm walking on eggshells. You know, crunch, crunch. Everything was so dry that... Somebody dropped a match out there on my grass. What was left of it, I I think the whole place would have went up. (laughs) All you folks have been following baseball. Me and my son, we follow baseball. We love baseball, and we just love the playoffs. Wasn't that a fantastic game up there in Kansas City, uh, the Kansas City Royals? My God, those guys never give up, do they? They're a scrappy team. Scrappy. And you know what's really neat about that team? There's not one real superstar on that team. They all play together, and they all say they're just one big family. And I guess they know how, I guess, to scratch each other's back to get the job done. And by gosh, they did last night. Toronto looked like they was getting ready to... Moved that game into the seventh game, and Kansas City said, uh, no, don't think so. And they brought in that premier closer, Mr., uh, what's his name, Wade Davis. And he had a hard time, I have to admit, but he finally got the job done. Kansas City is now, for the second year running, the American League champions. And they move forward into the World Series to take on the New York Mets, and what a hell of a team they are. With that premier pitching they have, it's going to be one hell of a World Series, ladies and gentlemen. Even if you don't like baseball, try to watch a couple of games. They're nail biters, every dang one of them.
You know, the other day I was out walking the back 40, if you will, and I was looking for a particular type of cactus that I want to put up here in my cactus garden up close to the house. And I spent the majority of, oh, a couple of hours walking around back out there, and I just had a pair of shorts on, T-shirt, and tennis shoes. Stupid me, stupid me. You know, South Texas, You when you go wandering around in, in the bush down here, you need a pair of shoes at, uh, and chaps to protect you from uh, snake bites, etc., critter bites. Well, stupid me, I came back and I woke up the next morning and I had one hell of a bite on my left knee. Looks like a spider of some type nailed me. And I'm paying very close attention to it because down here, we all know that the, the critters down here do one of three things to you. They bite you, they sting you, or they eat you up. <laughs> so I was one of those guys that got stung or bitten by some critter, rain, uh, I don't know, hanging around out there in the in the weeds or whatever, and when I walked through with my stupid garb I had on, a pair of shorts, a pair of tennis shoes, and a t-shirt, carrying a shovel. You know, Gary, sometimes you're stupid. But like the, like a, like the lady said to me one time, she said, do you know, uh... You know your body, Gary. Yeah, I know my body, and, uh, my wife keeps telling me, you know, you gotta take better care of yourself. You know, you gotta watch out for yourself. You gotta make sure that, uh, you have all your stuff in one bag or one sock when you go out and do things like you did that yesterday, Gary. You know your body, Gary. It can be bit, eaten, whatever. <laughs> but being uh, Gary Gatehouse, sometimes I don't pay attention to other people. I just go ahead and do stupid things. You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's a headline out there. It says, California sets inmate sex reassignment rules. Sets sex reassignment rules. The great state of Looneyville. The great state of California. You know, when you look at that state and you have a governor whose who's, uh, brand or his handle or his nickname is Moonbeam, you know that state's in trouble. Well, the California prison officials have set the first standards in the nation for determining when transgender inmates should receive state-funded sex reassignment surgery. Now, that's a move that came about after it spent years in court fighting to block the operations. I guess those old inmates that wanted to be broads were suing the courts, through uh, suing California through the courts to have their packages swapped out. A little bit of addition to their chests or whatever. Now, under the California policy that took effect this last Tuesday, prison mental health professionals would refer inmates for the surgery. Prison mental health professionals. We're already in deep kimchi when we talk about mental health professionals. And they're going to refer inmates for for surgery or sexual package reassignment, if you will. 
Now, to qualify in California to get that package changed out, prisoners must be diagnosed what is formerly known as gender dysphoria. And uh, I guess this gender, gender or gender bender dysphoria is something that uh, prisoners can bring forth and say, hey, look, I need to have my package switched out, man. I need to have it switched out because, you see, I want to be abroad. And they must have lived as a member of the preferred gender for at least 12 months and expressed a desire for sex reassignment surgery for at least two years. Well, when they are expressing their desire for sex reassignment surgery, who are they expressing that desire to? Their bunkmate? The guard down the hall that might take advantage of it? Just who? But the announcement came after California became the first state to agree to pay for surgery for one inmate and refused to provide the procedure to other inmates. The requirement were, was developed in cooperation with the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, which oversees inmates' mental health care and are similar to those used by medical providers outside the California prison system. And this was all stated by a lady named jo- Joyce Hayhoe. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not playing on words. Her name is Joyce Hayhoe. Now, she's a spokeswoman, I guess, for the federal court-appointed officials who, who control California's prison medical care. She went on to say, Joyce Hayhoe went on to say, it's a great victory for transgender people across the country. And I think it's a model that other jurisdictions can follow. Oh, really? I guess all the prisons throughout the United States are now going to get all those folks inside the prison walls who want their packages, their sex packages, chained out, changed out. Going to line them up and have the, them express what they really want, what package they want. And I guess the taxpayers of all the states will dutifully fall in line and say, Yow's the boss. I'm going to take some of my tax, or you all take some of my tax money, and you fix them dudes right up. I'm sure they half of them will want to change their name to Caitlin. This eight-page policy, California policy, calls for inmates who request the surgery and meet the criteria to be referred for evaluation to a committee of two doctors, two psychiatrists, two psychologists that would make a recommendation to a higher-level panel of medical professionals. Well, let me see here, Bill. Come on in here and strip down. Well, it looks to me like you'd be a man. Yes, but I want to be a woman. Well, what is it that drives you to you want to be a woman? Well, my two ma- uh, uh, the two people I live with, they already been using me as a woman, so I just want to comply with their their really their really request of looking just a little more like a woman. 
to make them feel a little bit better. So I want you all to change out my package, or at least augment some of it, do away with other parts, and fill that chest up to make me look more like a woman and more like my hero, Caitlin. Hmm, let me see here now. That's going to cost the taxpayers about, oh, I don't know, what do you say there, Mr. Psychiatrist, Mr. Psychologist, and y'all doctors? What do you think it's going to cost the taxpayers of here, California, to change out this man's package so he can make his bunkmates feel a little bit better? Well, I say, we go ahead and change him out. It's going to cost the taxpayer about... Oh, I don't know, thirty-five, forty thousand dollars, but that ain't no big thing. They don't really care. After all, this be California, you know. The policy prohibits procedures that are considered merely cosmetic, including hair removal, facelifts, breast augmentation, or any other implants. So you see, you got to go with the whole package cutting and slicing and dicing and all that other stuff will be tacked on. Now this lady Joyce Hayho said uh, those pro- uh, prohibitions will help hold down the cost to taxpayers. She previously estimated the cost of full transgender procedure could approach 100000 through the Transgender Law Center said that is exaggerated. I don't think it's proper use of taxpayer money, said Kent Sendinger, legal director of the Sacramento-based Diamonds Are Forever, I guess. <laughs> you know, lady, <laughs> you know these people in California, man, I think they're flipped out, don't you? Don't you think they're flipped out? Don't you think that they've just uh, been down the road, the wrong road, too many times? But this guy, Kent Sattinger, said he's a legal director at the Sacramento-based Criminal Justice Legal Foundation that represents crime victims. He goes on to say, this is basically an elective procedure. I mean, you're surgically altering the body parts, which have have nothing wrong with them because the person has a psychological issue. Now, California could have kept fighting the court battle, as Massachusetts did, after a judge ordered the state to provide the surgery, he said, that lower court decision was overturned and appealed last year. But it was also noted that the U.S. Justice Department intervened in a lawsuit filed in April by a transgender inmate in Georgia. Federal lawyers said state officials must treat the plaintiff's gender identity condition just as though they would any other condition. However, inmate Ashley Diamond was paroled last month before that package could be swapped out or done. There's one that the taxpayers won't have to pay for. There are currently 375 males and 26 females in California prisons receiving hormone therapy. They are housed in prisons based on their gender at girth unless they have had surgery. Many are in special uh, protective housing or mental health facilities. Joyce Hayhoe said 
She does not expect a flood of applications or approvals for the surgery because many people won't qualify under the guidelines that she described as conservative guidelines. One new guideline requires an inmate to have at least two years left in prison. That became a factor in the case of uh, Michelle Leo Norsworthy, who was released from prison in August just one day before a federal appeals court was to hear her request for the state prison system to pay for her sexual reassignment surgery, sexual package reassignment surgery. You know, ladies and gentlemen, all I can say is, well, hell. California is now in the business providing a a better sex product for the inmates who have sex with men but prefer those men to look a little more feminine. Well, California seems to me, is now in the excuse, and excuse my language, California seems to me in the business of the whorehouse business, inside prison walls, to provide, as the prisoners would say, good-looking bitches for the prison masses. And I bet those doctors who had to perform those perverted sex change surgery could not be more happy as they look at all this and they say, cha-ching, there goes the bank account, moving up another few notches at the behest of the California taxpayers who are all in line for providing prisoners sex change at the expense of Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack. Transgender same-sex marriage, neutral gendered restrooms, homosexual acceptance taught in our public indoctrination system, formerly known as public schools, all against the Bible, all against God's teachings and instructions. Yet we people who stand against all this are the bad guys. We Christians who stand with God's word are the weirdos. We who stand against abortion, perversion in our American society are the ones, as the mainstream media paints us, the ones who are out of touch with a new America. As Christian, as a father, as a patriot who stands with our fellow Christian brothers and sisters, if I had the chance face-to-face with our collective government officials, and all those liberals, socialists, progressive communists in America, I would tell them, as I'm about to do on my radio show, you can all go to hell, and I'm sure many of you will. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on Restoration Radio United Kingdom International, freedominamericaradio.com, freedominamerica.us, the GAL Network, all the way from South Texas. We'll be back after a few short messages. At 32, Carol had her first heart attack. Michelle began kidney dialysis right before graduation. A brain seizure kept Maria out of work for nearly a year. Without warning, lupus can attack the major organs. 
Every day it disables its victims, especially women. Like most Americans, I didn't know how life-threatening lupus could be until my sister was diagnosed. It's time we do something about it. Contact the Lupus Foundation of America at 888-38-LUPUS or lupus.org. Heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in America. But did you know that just 30 minutes a day of physical activity can improve your health and decrease your risk of heart disease? An easy way to work physical activity into your regular routine is to start walking. For every hour of regular, vigorous exercise, you gain two hours of life expectancy. So start walking for yourself and for your heart. Start walking with your family. You'll feel better. Start walking with your friends. You'll live longer. Start walking in your community. You'll lead happier and healthier lives. Start walking. Start something. Join the movement today. For more information on the American Heart Association START program, visit startwalkingnow.org. And start walking. Start something. How are you folks out there going to work, coming home? Blue Monday. <laughs> you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, all of us folks that live down here in the south, all of us folks that live in the Midwest, as the East Coasters like to call it, all those politicians up there, uh, all those very learned people, those pseudo-intellectuals that live out there in Hollywood like to call that flyover country. You folks ever stop and think about all the news that you consume, whether it be written, recorded, broadcast, radio, television? All the politics of the left and the right, Republican and Democrat, all the laws that impact on all of us, whether we live in Kansas City, Missouri, Omaha, Nebraska, Nacogdoches, Texas, Albuquerque, New Mexico, New Orleans, Louisiana. All those laws come out. I'm talking about federal laws now. Come out of the East Coast. East Coast politics, East Coast mainstream media. My hell, they control America. The epicenter for all politics... All political control of America is headquartered on the east coast of America. Now, all the political talking points, all the propaganda, the misinformation, disinformation, is housed in the mainstream media, which for the most part is located on the east coast of America. The mainstream media, as we who pay attention know, is nothing more than the political propaganda arm of the Communist Democrat Party and the progressive arm and status quo of the RNC leadership of the Republican Party. The East Coast houses all our federal government agencies. They're all headquartered there. And they are working tirelessly through the Communist left to control every aspect of we, the people's lives. Agencies such as the Environmental Protection Agency, Agency of Energy, Education, you name it. 
And for the most part, all those agencies are literally, if you think about it, are stocked with liberal East Coast people who fall in line with the government because the government housed on the East Coast provides their paychecks every two weeks. So you can't say anything against the government even though it's doing so much wrong to America. You can't say anything as a federal worker because you will be taken to task and your career or your job could be in jeopardy. So you keep your freaking mouth shut and the government keeps on trucking. Now here in the South, flyover country, if you will, up in the Midwest, we really have no representation. Once our representatives arrive in the East, in the in Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, their whole agenda they ran on to get elected by we the people changes almost overnight. They become just another extension of East Coast progressive politics that wants nothing to do, nothing whatsoever to do with conservatives, nothing to do with we the people that live west of the Mississippi and east of the Rockies. You know, folks, a lot of people would say, Gary, you're speaking very harshly out against the government. You don't give these people enough consideration for their families, etc. Oh, I do all that. I take all that into consideration. But when you... Let me go here. You had a prime example of how East Coast politics, East Coast media works when Hillary Clinton sat in front of those people up there and lied for 11 hours. Something that really gave liberals, progressives and communists and socialists and Marxists that are scattered, that permeate the very core of our politics system. It gave them reason to be proud. They had a fellow communist up there that withstood all the rigors of 11 hours, as, and as the media put it in some places, harsh interrogation. And she walked out of there high-fiving and slapping butts and smiling and, and knowing that she had the backing of the communist media, Pravda West as I call them, knowing that really both political parties, when you come to the leadership, had her backing. Or they backed her. Now these so-called hearings ran by such people as Gowdy, although they look really good for conservative values, and my God, he's up there, he's raking her over the coals, asking all these questions. Now I'm going to make a statement that's going to piss a lot of conservatives off. But I'm sorry, it's just the way I look at it. It was all window dressing. All window dressing. The bottom line is, nothing's going to be done to Hillary Clinton. 
nothing's going to be done to her because she is a premier member, if you will, a card-carrying member of the status quo of East Coast politics, which actually controls all of America. Nothing will ever be done to her. When you talk about her and her servers that she had hidden in toilets and people, mom and pop stores and top secret SBI clearances uh, that she was uh, talking to people that didn't have those clearances and talking to them in classified information. All the classified information she had on those servers, etc., etc., etc. Mayor Giuliani said she's committed at least 15 or 16 felonies. America, do you actually think, do you believe down deep in your heart that anything is going to be done to this woman? The media, they, they, they don't even talk about that aspect of the scandals of Hillary Rotten Clinton. They don't even mention them. They talk about what she needs to do to reinvent herself once again to make the all American people fall in line and vote for that nice little old lady that has done so much for America. But when it comes time to ask people that back her and fall on her sword what she's done for America, crickets. Either that or they make up something. Now within the next week, two weeks, three weeks, you're going to see all kinds of 30-second political campaign commercials on Fox News, ABC, and all of them. And you're going to see excerpts from those hearings. And you're going to say, Hillary, they're going to say, Hillary Clinton stood up for America. Hillary Clinton stood there as a staunch supporter of freedom of speech, whatever. She looks so presidential. She has dealt with all kinds of people throughout the world. Vote Hillary Clinton. Next president of the United States. First woman. Mark my word. Mark my word. America, the majority of America, they don't even know what's going on. Don't even care. And all you folks out there that stand in line, fall on your sword, bend over backwards, lie through your teeth for your hero Hillary and your political party, the Communist Democrat Party, you're all the same cloth. You're all liars. You're all perverted liars. Habitual liars. And you're damn sure not a true American. Now coming up next is Ricky Erasmus from South Africa, our voice, passing along news on the white genocide going on in South Africa. Ricky is an individual that works tirelessly to get the word out, and she uses my radio show exclusively to present the news to America on what white folks are going through under a oppressive regime, namely, are almost all black. 
She's uh, an individual that risked a lot to do this show. And I hope you folks take time to listen to it. Here's Ricky Erasmus. This is Ricky with Our Voice from South Africa. And thank you, Gary, for the opportunity yet again. Tonight I want to share with you our voice and where our voice emanate from. I started the Facebook page Boycott and it was the result of discrimination against whites and more specifically Afrikaans and our culture in South Africa by certain entities. The page was very successful. We have more than 40,000 members on the page. And I realized that we cannot just remain with a Facebook page. We have to do more to ensure that all the discriminatory laws in South Africa against the white minority is dealt with sufficiently and efficiently so that whites can lift up their heads again in South Africa and be full-fledged citizens of the country with all the advantages and all prospects that any other citizen in the country has. Now, as a result of my belief that we have to go further than a Facebook page, I registered a company with the name Weboso, W-E-B-O-S-O. This company is a non-profit company and its main aim is to obtain with passive resistance equal application of the Constitution of South Africa to all citizens of South Africa. That will ensure justice for white South Africans, but it will at the same time ensure justice for everyone. Because we believe, I believe, that you cannot insist on having rights if you do not respect the rights of other people. We will not allow any encroachment on the rights of other citizens of South Africa. One of the ways that we would like to achieve what we want to achieve is to withhold our money and support from any institution or person that discriminate against us. Now, in short, and in Afrikaans, our motto is the Bure Bursi Oxy, which is the Bure Purse Action. So we keep our money to ourselves, to our people, and we help to promote our own people's business and our own culture and to ensure that we use our money wisely 
and that it's not spent where others use it, steal it, or uh, uh, make use of it for corrupt means and business. Whites and other minority groups, such as coloreds, do not enjoy equal protection. Now, even though the company Wabosa is only for the white minority, we will not forget about the other minorities in South Africa. We will reach a hand to them and we will help them to start their own uh, companies or trust or in whichever way they want to deal with their rights because it is obvious that no minority in South Africa has any protection. There is virtually no protection of the rights of whites to life, human dignity, security of person, equality, freedom of religion, belief and opinion, freedom of expression, freedom of association, and this one is quite a tricky one, this freedom of association. We have Black Lawyers Association. We have all black companies. We have black empowerment, which is protected by laws in South Africa. But the moment whites try to have freedom of association, it's a problem. I think I may be the first person who said that this company and this Facebook page is for whites only. And I'm still waiting for the consequences thereof. There is no protection for whites, language, Afrikaans specifically, and culture. And I must say, we were quite surprised last week when our president said, the Afrikaans language is just as much an African language and must be protected. But the irony is that he says things easily, but he does not see to it that the Afrikaans language is indeed protected. It is therefore, as far as I believe, mere lip service. We also do not have protection of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. There is more than a hundred discriminatory laws protecting the black majority. Now the black majority, and I'm not only talking just black South Africans, that's all, it includes also all the immigrants to South Africa. And they are about 50 million. The whites in South Africa is about four and a half million people. Now among these whites are Afrikaners, English-speaking people, Portuguese-speaking people, Greek, and other languages too. You can think how difficult it is for four and a half million people who are not protected by any law, save for the Constitution, but there's always excuses as to why there may be a deviation from the Constitution when blacks need protection. 
Now, if you have 20 years, 21 years after the uh, democratic elections and you have 21 years of freedom, where a black party, the ANC, controlled the, com the country and they still have not been able to empower themselves to start their own businesses, then one really cannot see for how long does the four and a half million whites have to carry the 50 million blacks. The problem these days is that there are a number of very rich, powerful black men and women, even though in the minority, and the poor blacks are still poor. And in 20 years, they will still be poor because nobody care for them, especially the ANC do not care for them. And they are simply not in a position to empower themselves or to better their own lives. 21 years after the first democratic election, we are worse off than pre-1994. Due to inter-alia crime, corruption, maladministration, carded deployment without merit, employment of incompetent people in terms of black economic empowerment legislation, and in, so it goes on and on. There is no will in the governing party to better the situation of citizens in South Africa. The politicians and the wealthy blacks only look after themselves. It is evident from all the corruption that we read of in the newspapers, in the media, on social media. And they, are, they don't even blink an eye when caught and when the corruption is exposed. Lately it was the Hitachi thing with the ANC. They make all sorts of excuses, but the facts are there. And I just so wish that Europe will start, will stop spending money in South Africa or donating money to South Africa unless they know it's for a good cause and they have control over it or otherwise I can assure you that money will be stolen, it will go to the people who it was not supposed to go to. We have had enough and it's clear from social media the whites are fed up and it's not only whites, I also see blacks indicating their dissatisfaction with the circumstances in South Africa. We're BOSO, it is an acronym, and in Afrikaans it stands for Wit Economische Bemachtiging Ons Sal Oerleef. Directly translated to English, it means What Economic Empowerment We Will Survive or White Economic Boycott. It's an organization by white people for white people, which is extremely politically incorrect. I believe that it's the only way to deal with this issue.
you can only claim protection for what is endangered. White people is targeted in the same fashion as our rhinos and it must be stopped. If we have equal opportunities, justice and peace, it will benefit the entire South Africa as whites will, as they have always done, do more than what is expected to ensure prosperity in South Africa. I mean, it is evident through the history of South Africa that the whites have built up and the blacks break down. And this is not racism. This is hard, cold facts that we have to deal with on a daily basis. I don't know what they think, where the money must come from to just rebuild the schools, the municipalities, the buildings, the, the bridges, the buses and everything that they either break down or put fire to or demolish in any in one or other way. They just succeed in breaking down everything that was built up. Until we are, and we is the ones, are acknowledged and treated equal and fair, we will withdraw our money and our support physically, morally, from every company, every entity that discriminate against us. We encourage our people to not support any company that discriminate against us. Some of the major companies these days that we boycott is Media 24, our media, national media house, the SABC, the South African Broadcasting Company, the SAA is the next one because apparently they have spent million rands on Gupta planes. And then another company that we boycott is DSTV and obviously some of the cultural institutions like the Car Kind Car and Anibos. We can pay. And even though these entities think it will not make any difference to them because there are many blacks who can support them. I do believe that they feel the crunch. And unfortunately, it takes some time to get people to partake in these boycotts. But they are getting there. Slowly but surely, the people are rising to the occasion and they are boycotting these institutions. We will fight for protection of our cultural heritage and human rights, and at the same time respect the rights of any other law-abiding citizen. We will stand up for justice for all and ensure that there is no discrimination. We definitely do not want apartheid back, but we do believe we are entitled to rule over ourselves, to ensure whatever we build up remains there for our children and their children to enjoy and not for other hooligans to come and break down. 
We want good governance, transparency, and ethical practices by government, politicians, and officials. Now, unfortunately, without the will, this cannot be attained. And without financial assistance, we will also not be able to attain this. We are only a small cog in the wheel. But we believe that we can make a difference because the will is there. The people has given us the mandate to speak out, to arrange the boycotts and to ensure that whites are protected as well. There are many other institutions and organizations and Facebook groups who also have their own missions and ways of doing things and dealing with other things. And eventually we will all come together and stand together and ensure that justice is done in South Africa. If any of you who listen to this program hear my plea, please, if it is at all possible, we will appreciate a monetary donation for our cause. I can be contacted at Ricky, R-I-E-K-I-E, at Weboso, W-E-B-O-S-O dot org, or at admin at Weboso.org. I will give all the banking details to anyone who inquire, and we will really appreciate any form of financial assistance to help us on this way and to get equality for the minority of whites in South Africa. People, I hope you have a wonderful evening. And until next week, be safe. Thank you, Ricky, and thank you for all the work that you do for your fellow South Africans. You can hear her every week exclusively on the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. You know, this last Thursday when we sat there and watched Hillary Rotten Clinton taking all those questions from those individuals on the right, uh, those nasty old Republicans, and she sat there with her little pillow behind her back and she just lied through her teeth for 11 hours. No remorse. No, I'm sorry. No, I, I. She tried to hide herself behind the heroics of the four individuals that were murdered by terrorists that she allowed to be murdered. Blood was dripping off her fingers. Blood was dripping off the hands of all those Democrats that were sitting up there on that committee. Blood was dripping off the Republican National Committee's hands for not doing anything about Hillary Rotten Clinton. Not doing anything about Barack Hussein Obama Jr., who runs the federal government 
and who runs both parties. No, they kept their damn mouth shut. They thought that these committees would suffice and it would gloss over all the wrongdoings and lies and all the indiscretions and felonies and everything else you can talk about when it comes to Hillary Clinton, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. They thought that these committees would make Americans feel much better after they put Hillary Clinton in front of the cameras and fired one question after another, all scripted, of course. You could tell from the responses that came out of her mouth. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, I have sat here today, and I have accused of both parties living under the guise of being leaders and representing we the people, and they do not. They are all part of a party of elitist, a political cartel, if you will, who wallow around in corruption and try to make it look like it smells like a rose, everything that comes out of D.C. And if they can't make it smell like a rose when presented to the American people, they gloss it up and make it look like by God, we're doing something about it. We're going to have some of these here hearings and committees. We're going to let the American people see just how big and bad we are to fight for them. You know, it was all a sorry damn mess, if you ask me. Oh, sure, I want to catch hell from what I say. I don't care. I'm like many millions of other American patriots out there that are sick and tired of the political class that wallows around in their own filth and corruption up there in the district of corruption, Washington, D.C. I'm tired of it. Hillary Clinton is just a, an illustration of what just about everybody else is up in D.C. A liar? A person who gives no regard at all for we the people or the laws of the land, they think they are above the laws. And they know they are because they didn't include themselves in any laws, in any laws or legislation that would impact on them negatively. If you buy into these hearings, oh, we're not done yet. We got all these other people we're going to Bring up here and we're going to have them testify. Really? What's your bottom line, Mr. Gowdy? What is your bottom line? Are you going to prosecute anybody? Do you have information to bring all of these liars like Hillary Rotten Clinton that allowed four individuals to die at the hands of terrorists that the President of the United States will not even attach the word Islam to the word terrorist? Are you going to bring them to justice? Hell no, you're not. Hell no, you're not. You know it. You know damn well the Federal Bureau of Investigation, owned and operated by the Barack Hussein Obama Jr. Department of Justice, is not going to do a damn thing to prosecute Hillary Clinton 
Oh, those 15 or 16 felonies she committed, if it was you or me, Mrs. Joe Sixpack, or Mr. Joe Sixpack, we would have already been prosecuted, and our ass would have been thrown in Leavenworth or some other federal prison. You know that. We know that. But what gets me is these politicians look at us like we're a bunch of dolts. And we just don't get it, and they know it. And they can say just about what they want to say. Bring out their one-trick pony dog shows. And that's all it takes. Just a little spreading of the political BS. And America will buy into it. Lock, stock, and barrel. And what's really sad, the majority of Americans do. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Monday edition. Secret Agent Man, Blue Monday. I hope I imparted onto you some information, some entertainment, whatever you want to call it today. I hope you have a great Monday, a great Tuesday, and I'll be talking to you again Wednesday, hump day in America, hump day in the free world. Until Wednesday, God bless you, God bless your family, God bless America. This is Gary Gatehouse saying, good day.